Hello everybody, it's the grand final edition of the LJ and Redders podcast. The great man is here, Lucas James Holmes. G'day Louie, what a day today, what a day today and tonight are. It sure is, David, good afternoon. The last Saturday in September has arrived, it's always a great day. We've got a few items to touch on before we get into full preview mode of this afternoon, this evening's grand final, rather in about five and a quarter hours time, but always great to uh, try and preview and predict some grand final results. Indeed. In what surely was one of the greatest Brownlow medal counts of all time, Lucas Holmes, Port Adelaide's Ollie Wines became the first Port Adelaide player who played for Port Ad- uh, who has won the Brownlow playing for Port Adelaide. Gavin Wanganeen, of course, won a Brownlow medal, but he was in red and black when he did it. Um, it was a thrilling count. Um, just before I ask you to comment, I know you've got a, um, a lot of points to talk about. Let's go top 10. So on equal ninth, Jared Lyons from Brisbane, who I don't think anybody thought would be in the top 10. He kept on getting votes. Jared Lyons and Christian Petrarca, 23, and we'll come back to Petrarca. Travis Boke um, may have at one stage cost Ollie Wines the the, the uh, Brownlow, but he didn't in the end. Travis Boke, 25, Tom Mitchell, 25, and Mitchell's end of season was ridiculously good. Darcy Parrish and Jack Steele, both 26 votes each. Zach Merritt cost Parrish a lot of votes, and Merritt won their best and fairest during the week as well, Lucas. So that's an extraordinary result. A breakout year for Sam Walsh from Carlton, 30 votes. Clayton Oliver from Melbourne, 31. Marcus Bontempelli on 33. And Ollie Wines, who polled in 11 of the last 12 games, which is remarkable in itself, 16 of 22, 36 votes. A remarkable brand line. It was great to watch. It was compelling viewing. I paid for it the next day, I'd say. I was a bit weary, but goodness me, it was great to watch. Lucas, over to you, your thoughts and, and what you thought of the whole thing, my friend. Well, it was a record equaling uh, Brownlow medal victory for Ollie Wines, wasn't it? Only uh, tying with Dustin Martin's performance of 36 votes in 2017. So that shows how good Wines' season has been. But it was all Marcus Bontempelli in the in sort of from the half up until round 21 of that count, wasn't it? Led from rounds 12 to 22, I think. So yep. huge there for Marcus Bontempelli. Um, top two, and as you said there, Walsh has gone from strength to strength. Won, won the Rising Star in the last few years, now in the, in the top five of a Brownlow. So it, it, he's going on leaps and bounds. Darcy Parrish continues to improve, isn't he? And, and, you, and you mentioned there off the top, David's huge surprise. Wouldn't be to Brisbane Lions fans, however. Jared Lyons has been superb this season. Yep. Was quite a shrewd pickup from the Gold Coast a couple of years ago, but he's been he's come on leaps and bounds. With, with Rainer coming out, sort of Lyons pinch hits through the midfield as well. Sort of Rainer sits at bit more into the forward line, but Lions are superb this season. And you said we'll speak about Petrarca as well, but it really wasn't. We thought we thought him and Oliver would take votes off each other, but it was Travis Folk that, as you said, nearly cost Lions a medal. He was the uh, he was the top vote getter for it in alongside Wines for Port Adelaide with twenty five. So some huge vote um, votes there for Port Adelaide. And I think they uh, ended up about second in the league in total votes gained through the Brownlow. So unfortunately, they're not playing this evening, but nonetheless, um, and I think Ollie Wines said it uh, in an interview post, it's a team award that is under Ollie, Ollie Wines' name, but you can't take away what he's gone through in the last sort of 24 months. Uh, got the captaincy taken away. He looked like he was going to come home to Victoria, but he stuck it out and now you can see why. He's from Echuca, um, Ollie Wines, and uh, beautiful part of the world. Love their football down there. 
Yes, both Wines and Boke at one stage were mooted to come home to Victoria, but they didn't. As you said, Marcus Bontempelli led up until, and I think Wines ended up on 34 votes after round 22. And in the last game, I think the three twos went Boke three and Wines two to get him to finish with 36. Clayton Oliver had a superb season. Jack Steele, I think everybody predicted that he'd finish top 10, and he did. Um, Petrarca and Oliver, there's 54 votes between them, and there's 61 between Wines and Boke. Uh, for Wines and Boke to average, uh, get 61 votes in 23 games is absolutely unreal. And I would love to see, I think Max ended up on 18 or something like that. Big Max, who I think is going to play a big part later on this afternoon. But Petrarca and Oliver, are, you know, again, superb. And the, it leads to a fantastic segue in a minute into the midfields and both of these sides playing tonight over there in Perth. But, look, it was a great brown line medal. It really was superb. Nate Fife was there to... Uh, Nate Fife was there to present the brown line medal, which is great. Had dual brown line medalist himself. It's good to see a brown line medalist being able to present it, unlike last year when Neil had to present it to himself under COVID restrictions. It was terrific to see a good crowd there, Lucas. It was an exciting night. Channel 7 have, have listened to people in the last couple of years, Lucas, and it went quickly. There were... a interjections and so forth, but it didn't drag on and on and on. Um, Gillan McLaughlin's made a clear decision to move votes through, particularly towards the end of the year. It was an outstanding night, and congratulations to Oliver Lyons. As I said, the first player wearing Port Adelaide colours uh, and for Port Adelaide to win a Brownlow medal. And, in, and when you think about, I think I've spoken with you about this many times on podcasts, though, the three most famous football clubs in Australia are the Collingwood Football Club, East Germantle and Port Adelaide. It is wonderful to see Port Adelaide now having a Brownlow medalist uh, to go with many, many, many McGarry medalists. But it, overall, what a superb night and uh, and congratulations to Ollie Winesley just as we uh, lead into the, to the game this afternoon. Indeed, it was, a, it was always a great evening. We've had a number of great counts over the last few years, but um, this one will be remembered for quite a while, I would imagine. Absolutely. On to the grand final uh, this evening. The time of the grand final is a quarter past five Western Standard Time, a quarter past seven Australian Eastern Standard Time. This game is being played for the first time in history at Optus Stadium in Perth, the magnificent Optus Stadium. Um, Louis, my brother's watched Test Cricket there and he said, David, it's just an unreal venue. Lucas, would you like to read out um, in their lines, please? I'll do the Western Bulldogs, if that's okay. Yeah. Louis, could you yeah. please read out the Melbourne Football Club, just like you and I do when we're broadcasting, my friend? The minor premier Melbourne Australian Football Club across the back line, back pocket, Michael Hibbert at full back, Stephen May, and in the other in the other back pocket is trusty mate in Jake Lever. The half back line, Trent Rivers, Harrison Petty, Christian, Christian Salem on the other half back line. Across the centre now, Angus Brayshaw on one wing, Christian Petrarca the centre, Ed Langdon on the other wing. This is an unchanged side for the preliminary final, yep. may I add. Half, half forward line, Alex Neil Bullen. Most people thought he was on the outer last season. He's almost in career best form now. Centre-half forward, Tom McDonald. On the other half forward, flank, Tom Sparrow. Full forward, Charlie Spargo, Ben Brown, Bailey Fritch. Uh, and the followers, Max Scorn, Clayton Oliver, Jack Viney. And the interchange bench, James Harms, Luke Jackson, the rising star, Jack Bowie, and Keziah Pickett. And the emergencies, David, and just for everybody, this will be... Uh, the medical sub will be announced an hour before the bounce. So it'll be out of these four plays in Jake Melchin, James Jordan, Jaden Hunt, and Caden Chandler. 
Thank you, Lucas. The Western Bulldogs Football Club, and of course, as when Lucas will, will attest to, when he, when he was a young man and when I grew up, they were the Footscray Football Club. And if you look at the back of their jumpers, they do say FFC. The Western Bulldogs Australian Football Club. From the back line, um, in the back line, Eastern Wood, Alex Keith coming back into the side. Fancy coming into the side for a grand final. Unbelievable. Uh, himself a very talented cricketer. Bailey Williams at back pocket. Across the half-back line, Caleb Daniel, Zane Cordy, and All-Australian Bailey Dale. Across the centre line, Bailey Smith, who has been red hot in the finals, Tom Liberatore and Lockie Hunter. Across the half-forwards, another in, Cody Waitman, who I think is very important for them. Aaron Norton and Adam Trelaw, and Lucas and I both, Adam Trelaw has played for both of our football clubs previously. It's great to see him play another grand final. Across the forward line, Josh Shackey, Tim English, and Mitch Hannon. The followers, Stefan Martin, Jack McRae, and Marcus Bontempelli. The interchange, Jason Johannesson, Josh Dunkley, Taylor Duray, and Rourke Smith. And the emergencies listed are Latham Vandermeer, Ed Richards, Anthony Scott, and Ryan Garda. The umpires are Brett Rosebury, Matt Stevich, and Jacob Mollison. They are the two, they are the two sides as named. Um, the AFL website has listed Lucas, James Jordan, and Anthony Scott as Medi subs. But as we've already have that. Well, that's the AFL website, but I was about to go back to you. That will be confirmed later. You are right, is that will be confirmed. But on the AFL's official website, Jordan and Scott are listed as the Medi subs, Louis. Yep. Uh, there you go, because most of the, during the season, they normally do it an hour before. And you mentioned the umpires there quickly. Um, David Rosebury's vastly experienced, Devich also. And Molson's actually his uh, grand final debut. He's first on the field. So some very experienced and that's some relatively experienced umpires going for their first game on the field as well. So great to see some of our better umpires continuing. It should be a great game this evening. Absolutely. And, and as we've always said in commentary, Lucas, and with both of us having done community football umpiring ourselves, the best thing that we can say tonight is that we didn't notice the umpires and they let them play. Um, that That's the best thing we can hope for. Um, the one thing you don't have to worry about is that these, these guys know what they're doing. They're super fit. There'll be a nominated bouncer in the centre. I suspect that will be Rosebury or Stevich. I reckon that Mollison won't do many of those. But uh, no, yeah, probably Stevich. Probably Stevich. Probably. Um, but we, yep. And we wish them, the umpires, all the best. We hope all of them have a great game. And uh, that they, as I said, on what is a very big ground over there. It's about when I did the, uh, my check in during the week, Lucas, I actually did some homework. You'll be very impressed to know. Um, it's four metres longer and 11 metres na- narrower than the MCG. So it's quite similar in overall size in um, square metres to the G, but it's just a touch longer. Lucas, um, we. Well, on our podcast, we love listening to your analytical mind. Um, I have my own opinions as to how the game's going to be won. First of all, Lucas, what are the game? So overall, wh- where do you see the game going? How deep is it going to go? And um, then we'll at the end of it, look, 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 both of us giving us opinions. We'll give our winners and then uh, our tips and also our Norm Smith medalist, Lucas Holmes, our analyst. Over to you. Uh, indeed, as we spoke about numerous occasions throughout the year, it all starts in the midfield, isn't it? In those sides there, it's quite scary as we read them out. Uh, Gorn and Martin, that'll be interesting. I think Gorn may have the ascendancy, or should have at least. Um, Martin's a little bit underdone during the season, had a fair few injuries, but for a veteran like him, that may actually help him, just coming in fairly fairly close to 100% as you can be at this time of the year, keeping in mind that all players will be... Uh, all have niggles and that sort of thing. No one's 100% at this time of the year. Um, we all know that for a fact. The uh, fortnight uh, break yeah. The fortnight break couldn't come at a better time. Yeah. 
But no, it, it's all going to start at the midfield, isn't it? They're very classy midfields. Um, you spoke about Alex Keith there. He's going to be a huge in for huge in for, for the Western Bulldogs. You'd think he'd go Ben Brown potentially, yep. um, playing the deepest forward. Um, and McDonald's a little bit more mobile as is Cordy and Keith. normally takes some of their kickouts too, so Keith will stay back. Um, on the on the other end of the ground, it'll be quite interesting. Um, Lever's obviously not a key back, so he'll float across for that third for that third man up in the marking contest. But you think May will take the deepest forward too, which you'd assume which you would assume will be uh, Tim English with Norton getting up up the ground as he does the majority of the time. It's interesting too, is looking back during the weekend of that um, 2016 Western Bulldogs Premiership, David. There are seven players uh, in this in this side for this evening. The Norm Smith medalist in 2016, J- Jason Johannesson, Easton Wood, Lockie Hunter, Marcus Bontempelli, Jack McRae, Zane Cordy, Tom Liberatore, and Josh Dunkley, and Caleb Daniel being those uh, surviving members from that 2016 Premiership side, and with Melbourne not being in the grand final since the year 2000. So it's going to be a great game, but I think it's really the midfield where it's going to be run won and lost. It's, you spoke about the ground being a little bit more narrow. Um, Melbourne have quite a bit of run on, run on their wings. Brayshaw can pinch hit in the midfield too, but Ed Langdon's an out-and-out speedster. I'm just, you, formerly a Fremantle too, so that may uh, help him with the recognition of the ground and that sort of things, whereas Western Bulldogs wingers Smith and Hunter. Hunter can run off half-back as well, but they're a little bit more inside players, and it's going to be an interesting game, though. I, don't, I think it's going to be quite tight. Um, what do you think, David? Okay, um, I think these two teams are very, very closely matched, except in one area, and I'll come to that in a minute. Um, I love the fact that Hunter is a lefty on the wing. Um, Smith has been lights out in the finals because he's just about been the most dangerous forward in the entire competition. I do think that Caleb Daniel will do some of the kicking out for the Western Bulldogs. Keith may do some, but Daniel has been used as one of their specialist kickers. Dale's been outstanding, and whether he gets Sparrow or Neil Bollum will be interesting. Um, Brown cuts comes across from North Melbourne and gets in a grand final his first year. We thanking his lucky stars. I like the fact that Jure's there for the Bulldogs. They've got so many talented left-footed kickers. Adam Trelaw, um, had, there was some blowtorch put on him, and then the last one, one or two games, he's actually been pretty good. I would have really worried if there hadn't been a fortnight's um, break because the Western Bulldogs have gone Launceston, Brisbane, Adelaide, Perth. But they've been together for two weeks, and I think that that uh, will play big time in favour of the Doggies. I don't think that Stephen May will go anywhere near going outside 50 for the entire game. I cannot, I'm not convinced. There's no way in history he can be 100%, Lucas. Not with a hammy. No. There's no way. And you just wonder whether they'll try and get Norton on him because Norton's a bit quicker than English. Uh, but uh, Norton's, of course, named at centre-half forward and, and nominally it'll be Petty taking him. Um, the midfields, uh, this is a sensational um, m- a midfield battle. Uh, there's only one or two other sides in the entire competition that have got midfields anything close to these two. But when you've got Petrarca and Liberatore, McRae, Montempelli, Oliver, Viney, as you said, Brayshaw is another one, Hunter. There's just fistfuls of them. And Harms and Janice might end up doing a little bit in there as well. There is one area that I think and that Melbourne can expose the Western Bulldogs. You've already mentioned it. The All-Australian captain, Max Gorn, is the best ruckman in the league. The only other guy who comes near him is a Fijian six-foot-nine freak of an athlete freak who plays the West Coast. 
Max Gorn will expose them in the ruck. I think Max Gorn is the difference between the sides. Whilst I would prefer the Bulldogs win, I think Melbourne will, and I think that Max will be the difference. Stefan Martin, as you said, doesn't have a full season of legs underneath him. Gorn is in sensational form. He was unstoppable in the prelim. I think he'll win the Norm Smith because I don't think there's a matchup for him. I'm not sure, Lucas, how the Western Bulldogs can stop Max. I just don't know. Who gets him if he goes forward? I I can't answer that. I just don't know how they do it. Uh, Martin may have to go onto him. English may have to play big minutes in the forwards. But for mine, Petrarca's a better um, all-round footballer than Liberatore. Liberatore is a little bit like his father in that he's extremely dogged and very courageous, superb tackler. But Petrarca's just a bull. However, I think that Gorn exposes the Western Bulldogs. Um, They're going to pay for not having... And from what I understand, it's going to be dry. And as I said... I think Melbourne will win by 14 points. I think that Max Gorn will be the best player on the ground and win the Norm Smith medal. Well, you, you look at that Western Bulldogs back line, you spoke about it there. The only two key defenders there are Alex Keith and Zane Cordy. Easton Wood's not, he's not a key defender. He's the third man over the top, in my opinion. He's not really that tall key defender. So it's sort of him, him and Lieber let, let, uh, level out a little bit. Similar to there in the midfield, you spoke about it then. You spoke about Libertore. It's similar to Jack Viney, that sort of more dogged physical presence in both their midfields. And for me, I'm going to go a little bit out there for Norm Smith. I'm going to, same with me, I'm going to go Melbourne by 22 points. Um, originally, I was, think, I was sort of thinking along your lines there of going Christian Petrarca, sort of can play both ends of the ground, can take, can take the game by the scruff of the neck in a, in a matter of seconds. But for me... He's been one of the better players I've spoken about him for the majority of the season. We'll give them some running carries and launch on the halfback. I'm going to go a bit out there for my Norm Smith. I'm going to go Christian Salem. Christian Salem. So, Louis by 22 points. He's got Salem um, as the uh, uh, for Melbourne as the Norm Smith. I've got Big Max. Um, so, interesting times ahead. Uh, it'll be a fantastic game of football time. It really will be. Um uh, let's just hope that it's it's good weather and it is it's a, obviously a sellout at Optus Stadium. It is fantastic to see it being played in Perth. I think that's just absolutely wonderful. And, uh, you know, it should be a very exciting end of what's been another... So it's been remarkable that the season's gone ahead. We said this last year, Louis. However, it is. It's quite... It's simply remarkable that uh, they've got a, a full season going ahead and we just wish everyone a good game tonight. We do, and we're just doing a little bit more deep diving as I tend to do as well, David. It's interesting on the Melbourne point of view. So for Melbourne, it's going coming into this final series is their first minor premiership since 1964, David. And of their nine premierships, have gone gone on to win eight grand finals. But the interesting thing in the last decade, there've only been two minor premiers that have gone on to win the grand. Uh, sorry, in the last about 15 years, that have gone on, gone into win grand finals. That being Geelong in 2007, Collingwood 2010 in the replay, and then Hawthorne in 2013. So it's going to be interesting. History suggests there that Melbourne, if they get to grand finals, they're, they're quite competitive. And they've only lost one, uh, they've won eight of their nine grand finals that have been in the luck from being minor premiers. But history suggests in the last decade and a half, that's not the case. It is. Look, um, the Bulldogs have gone through this the hard way. They've had to play football every week. They fell out of the final four at the death, as you know, and they had a bit of a form slump, and they've just got better and better. They were okay against Essendon. They were, they were superb against Brisbane in a great game of footy, and they absolutely belted the tripe 
out of Port Adelaide in Adelaide, which I don't think any tipster in Australia, including yours, truly picked and got anywhere near. Um, it should be a great game. I just hope it's um w- with the way the new rules have gone, Lucas. I hope it's an open game of football. You know, I'm, I'm hoping for a ninety something to eighty, you know, sort of a game so that there's good football played, lots of goals, lots of action. Um, it should be a fantastic game of football. It really should be. Cannot wait. That's at a quarter past seven tonight, Eastern Standard Time. That game is being played then. And as for those of you that are interested in multi-sports, the NRL uh, preliminary final has been moved to four o'clock to accommodate the AFL being standalone. So the NRL prelims at four, Melbourne and Penrith, and then the grand final of the AFL from up the stadium in Perth at quarter past seven. It's the Melbourne against the Western Bulldogs. Just one more thing I may have just failed to mention there, David. It may have just popped up uh, just after or just prior to we recorded last week. But one thing that'll be playing in the back of Melbourne's minds is that they'll be they'll be without their 300 gamer day that Nathan Jones decided to leave their camp and head back to Melbourne for birth of their twins. And since then, it's announced his retirement. So Jones has been a thought of Melbourne for a long period of time, was their captain between 2014 and 2019. And so... and. After 302 games, he's now announced his retirement too. So that'll definitely be playing on the in the back of their minds. Although they won't want to admit it, they'll be, they'll be all focused on the game. But with that news of Jones, that'll be definitely playing into Melbourne's mind. Absolutely will, uh, and that's that's understandable, Lucas. It, it, that's the way it is. Uh, look, just for those of you that aren't aware, Louie and I have had a, a catch up off air, and we're going to uh, throughout the season look at first class cricket throughout the year, aren't we, Louie? And, um, uh, yes. and catch up. So just to let everybody know, just to start off with that, there is one Sheffield Shield game being played at the moment at Carroll Rolton Oval in Adelaide. Western Australia made 9 for 4.65 declared and South Australia 1 for 10 chasing. How unusual, Lucas, centuries to Cameron Green and Sean Marsh. That, that That's like Groundhog Day, those two getting runs. But 118 to Marsh, 106 to Green, 69 to Hilton Cartwright, Josh Philippe, 77 quickly. Lloyd Pope, 4 for, four for 92. And as I said, South Australia are one for ten. Lucas and I will catch up during the, the season on particularly look at things like play um, the Big Bash and 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 in, in particular the Sheffield Shield. Uh, we both love our cricket, so we've agreed to catch up on that during the season. Louis, did you want to talk about anything else today, or are you, are you happy with what we've we've got through with Brownlow and and Grand Final Day? No, just a couple of uh, things that have popped up late later in the week, David. Aside from the grand final, it happened a few days ago now too. Um, the Carlton Football Club have their 35th senior coach in Michael Voss. So Indeed. Michael Voss taking the reins there at Icon Park, as it is now known. But after a after a fairly hefty uh, coaching search, and obviously Collingwood's preceded that. Um, Voss was a was a choice there too, but it went down to Craig McCrae for the and for this job, David. It ultimately came down to Adam Kingsley. Uh, the senior assistant there at Richmond and Voss. And Voss, after uh, serving quite an apprenticeship there at Port Adelaide uh, for a number of years, is now uh, Carlton's 35th, 35th senior coach. And what that does, Lucas, is I reckon that Alistair Clarkson now can sit back and wait and assess. I want to throw to you here, I reckon that Alistair Clarkson may very well end up at Metricon. Oh, I just think that there is talent there. His children have finished the HSC. Um, if you offer someone an opportunity to live at to live at uh, Sanctuary Cove or live in Melbourne in the middle of winter, I know where I'd rather be. Uh, your thoughts on where you think, assuming Clarkson coaches again, 
What what are your thoughts on this? I've given it quite a bit of thought, and I think the Gold Coast seems to make the most sense. Yeah, so I'll, I'll line you straight up. I was wrong here. I thought Clarkson could potentially be lured back by Carlton's hiring of Brian Cook as a new CEO. That's, that's not come to be. But on your point of Gold Coast, I think that's the potentially the only way he could get back into coaching. I don't think it'll be next season. He's rebuffed that multiple times now, and as late as just prior to the boss appointment. So... To me, I, I think that's probably the only the only job at the moment. The advantage you just stated there was that he can now sit back and wait for the ideal opportunity. Although the AFL, I don't think they want to admit this, but I think they'd want Clarkson at Gold Coast purely just because of stability and other issues like that. Um, we've obviously had a number of coaches over the last uh, number of years. Stuart Jew's done a commendable job with the talent they had. Yep. Um, they've obviously had a number of high draft picks the last few years. Matt Rauer, Jack Lacocious, Noah Anderson, who polled fairly good for them in the Brownlow as well. So they've got some talent there. Let's not forget that there's some talent there being traded away. Charlie Dixon's gone. Uh, they've had a number of other players go as well. Stephen May another, and a couple of other players that aren't in my head at the moment. But I think I think if Stewart's depart, I don't think it'll be... Um, during the season in 2022. But I think, as you said there, Clarkson will want to sit back, wait, pick his time, see what's around him. And that's potentially, for me, the only way. I think Gold Coast, as you said, is probably the only logical choice there for Clarkson going forward. Jago O'Meara is a former Gold Coast son, is he not? There's a a fair few of them, isn't there? Yeah, there is a lot. He's come in leaps and bounds this year too after... Uh, succumbing to a number of injuries over the last few years. I think he's got a bit tougher, Lucas, and, and has learned to f- play with injury. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of ex-sons and, and Giants players running around. Uh, Louis, I think that just about finishes off. Anything else you wanted to mention in in, in the football world and, and, until we bid everybody adieu? One last quick thing, too. On the, on, whilst we're, sports, we're talking about Carlton, David, just a few hours after the uh, announcement of Voss's appointment, they lost... One of their longest-serving president, David, John Elliott, uh, 79 years of age, unfortunately passed away later in the week, but served very well to Carlton Football Club uh, for a number of, for a number of years, David, uh, between 1983 and 2002. So uh, Carlton's longest-serving president, unfortunately, has passed away, John Elliott. So that's some sad news. Uh, the, the early part of his reign was quite successful for Carlton, but the back end of the back end of his reign and. Up to now, unfortunately, there's been quite a lot of struggles, but you, you, you've got to sit back and applaud uh, President in the role for as long as he has. And at that time, Presidents probably went under the radar a little bit, but uh, for someone like that, a longest serving president of a club, which is qu- quite a big achievement too. So for the game to lose someone like that, uh, we're all in debt for it. Absolutely. And he's a fascinating man, John Elliott. Wanted to be Prime Minister of Australia and didn't end up that way. Um, but managed to assemble, uh, with perhaps with interesting practices, a very decent Carlton side in the middle of the 90s, which I still think is one of the best football sides I've ever seen. Um, but, yeah, when when things were good at Carlton and Jack was there, it was uh, he, he was a fantastic president. Uh, unfortunately, in the end, it, uh, he probably set the club back 10 or 12 years, I reckon, with draft picks and losing draft picks and getting on the back of their knees, and they're only just starting to recover from that. But overall... A terrific football bloke, and he'll be missed, Louis. So, John Elliott, uh, rest in peace, and uh, just hope that he and his family are okay at the moment. And then the entire Carlton family, which is a pretty strong network, they've lost Sergio Silvani 
and Jack Elliott in a, in a matter of months. So they'll be struggling a bit down there at, uh, I'll call it what it's properly name is, is Prince's Park. Yes, but yes, Icon, course, Icon, yeah. Icon Park. Yep. All right, Louis, that's about all we've got for today. Um, grand final, quarter past seven tonight. Look forward to that. We might have a catch-up next week just to go through the season, Louis, and uh, have our last podcast, if that's okay with you. Indeed, sounds good to me, David. Not long till the trade period gets underway too, just under a month. A few uh, unofficial moves uh, that are announced, obviously they don't go all through till the trade period opens, but already three, four semi-high-profile names look like they're on the move. It's particularly a, a, a key back from Sydney, possibly on his way to the Adelaide Crows. But we'll, yeah, we'll... And, a, yeah, and a backup ruck uh, from Richmond also going to Gold Coast by the sounds of it. Indeed. We will keep an eye on that. We'll have podcasts in the off-season uh, for trade and for draft, Louis. So we'll do that as well if you've got time, my friend. Looking forward to the draft as well, David. As always. On behalf of my great mate, Lucas Lake, James Holmes, this has been David Redden and Louis with the LJ and Redders AFL podcast. Enjoy your grand final day. We'll catch up with you shortly. Louis, take care, mate. Speak to you soon. Indeed, David. Speak to you soon. Thank you. On behalf of Lou, this is David. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.